You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. You're listening to episode number 49 of Living the Dream with Rory O'Malley. If you like the podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. We're back, baby! Audition, side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hello, dreamers. Rory O'Malley, your host here. Uh, we're back. It has been two months since I put out a podcast episode. In that time, I have uh, wrapped up my reign as King George III in Hamilton, and I've taken some time off. I have relaxed a little bit. Uh, We had the holidays, and my husband and I really were able to enjoy my first few weeks back. And here we are. We're back at it. Back on Living the Dream the podcast. Um, My first guest back is a wonderful guest, Wes Taylor, who I've known for years and who is so talented. He's currently in SpongeBob, the musical on Broadway. He and I did Little Miss Sunshine together. Uh, He played my former lover and uh, who broke my heart. And um, we had such a great time working together. I've always admired him because he really creates his own work. He has several web series and scripts that he sold and he's constantly creating he is fearless in in putting together work and you know bringing together people in the broadway community to come together for his vision and i just i just love that i admire that so much we also have something that we talk about that could be a little tricky if we weren't evolved actors um and hadn't you know been around the block a few times to kind of be able to openly discuss it But uh, we were both uh, involved in Nerds the Musical, which I've talked about on the podcast quite a bit. The musical that fell apart back in 2016 and led me to eventually be in Hamilton. But I was playing Bill Gates. It was about Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. And three weeks into rehearsal, the producer told all of us that an investor dropped out and that we would not be opening on Broadway that season. Uh, it was very, very sad. I didn't realize that Wes actually had been playing Bill Gates in earlier readings and concert versions of the show and was really attached to it for quite some time. I was able to talk about that with him, and he's he's the best because he's just honest. And we talked about his feelings during that time, what he was thinking and feeling when he found out that the show that... Uh, passed over him after he put in all the work was announced that it was going to not even open how he felt 
and uh, a lot of feelings, lots of feelings. There's just a lot of feelings in this business, right? And I think it's really important when actors who are going through the same types of things connect with each other about how they feel. Uh, maybe not in the moment, but certainly afterwards. I learned a lot from that experience and clearly Wes did as well. So we get into it. We're not afraid to get into the hard stuff here at Living the Dream. So enjoy and uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad to be back. Hi, Wes. Hi, this Rory. Is, welcome to Living the Dream. This is it. It just happened. You're on it. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Can you even believe it? I can't. <laughs> I can't. Um, I am so, so glad that you're doing this because I contacted you a couple of months ago um, and we were trying to make it happen. Yeah, we were sort of playing tag for a while. And, yes, uh, yes. Yeah. And when I heard you were going to SpongeBob, I was so, so excited for you that you were going to do That's that. That's so weird. So was I. Good, yeah. good. I'm glad you were happy about it. Um, but I was upset because I knew you were in LA and you were going back to New York and I was going to miss you. So I was looking forward to hanging out with you. Womp, womp. Womp, um, So how's it going? You've opened in December. You're in the run. Yeah, we're, of a few, it. we're a few months in now, I guess, because uh, we started previews at the beginning of November. So we're in our third month uh, of the run. And it's, it's so fun. I mean, it's just the most insanely creative show on Broadway. I mean, like, I like to be humble about the shows I'm in, but not this one. I'm, like, so proud of it. I think... T- I've... I haven't gotten to see it. I'm, I'm not even on the right coast to see it, but I've heard so many wonderful things. And people, like, not just young kids, but, like, people our age are like, I want to go back and see SpongeBob again. <laughs> it's so Honestly, much fun. Honestly, I mean, it, it really is more for, for millennials. I mean, more for the people who grew up on the cartoon. I mean, the kids, the kids, of course, you know, it's it's very inventive and it's color vomit. It's like just the most stimulation for your senses. But uh, a lot of the jokes go over the kids' heads, of course, um, more the intellectual humor. It's more for parents, you know. It's, it's kind of the show for the whole family, not to sound like the marketing team. But, um, yeah, I would really... <laughs> I would I would suggest it to any age. Um, it's just so delirious and fun. It's a big cast. It's so big. You know, there's about twenty of us. No, wow, yeah, it's, not, it's not that big. Oh, uh, I I guess I saw you guys on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and I was just like, wow, this. I think maybe because of the costumes. Yeah, the costumes. It's so epic and big. <laughs> the design is nuts. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's you know definitely larger than life and epic and um. Yeah. Yeah. Is it uh what what's the mix of people? Is it like some Broadway debuts or Oh yeah, we have like twelve Broadway debuts or something wow. crazy. A wow. lot of a lot That's of so fresh fun. faces, yeah. Um yeah. Then, it's kind of funny because like in Hamilton I'm the old man. Yeah, and, um, totally. And it's like how how did this happen? How did this happen, yeah. <laughs> Me and uh Gavin Lee and Lily Cooper, you know, we've been around around the block, but yeah, everyone else. Well, you've been around the block since you guys were all so young. Yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, you were so young when you went on a Broadway and you know, it's funny to be a, a veteran 
at your age, but you are. It is. It's a young man's game, it's Broadway. Um, but you you uh, started in Florida. Is I that right? sure did. In Orlando. Well, well done on your homework. <laughs> yes. I. Uh, w- were you born there or you were? No. That- I was actually born in uh, Elizabeth, New Jersey. Um, okay, but 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 I was only there for about a month. <laughs> uh, ah. They they moved my sister and and baby Wes down to Orlando, 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 or, uh, <laughs> or uh, you know to, to to raise the family right at Disney World. Um, so I had eighteen years of my life um, was was next to Mickey, and then um, did and you the, see the Florida Project? I sure did. I, I've watched it a couple times actually, and. It's such a good movie, and that 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 movie takes place on sort of the outskirts of Central Florida, like the outskirts of Disney, um, the sort of bleak, right. depressing, uh, international drive sort of touristy um, uh, desolation. I, I, it's it it is where the poverty is, and it, like I know those characters, I know those people, and um, yeah. So what a, what a what a devastating film, though. Oh my uh, god. It was beautifully done and just so so sad. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought it was brilliant. I I don't know, I just thought it was I talked to some people who grew up in Orlando or in the Florida, South Florida area. Um and It's a it's a strange place to grow up to be honest. Yeah, it's a strange yeah. place. Like I can only imagine for anyone to be uh like a drive away from the happiest place on earth, yeah. you know? And, um, well, I had, that, I had an interesting experience when I was a child because, you know, growing up there, you watch all the game shows on TV and they're like, win a family package, four tickets to Orlando, to Disney World. And you're like, what the hell? I'm already here. <laughs> right. Like, what's the big whoop? Right. Oh wow! And the magic, the magic that. sort of dies at an early age, you know. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. did, you go a lot. Yeah, not only did I go there, I worked there. You sort of have to. It's like your oh. rite of passage when you live there. Yeah, of course. I worked. At all I the wanted parks. to work at Cedar Point. That was our amusement park, in oh. Ohio. but uh, couldn't get a job there. Moving on. <laughs> um, so, so you grew up. In Florida, was there a lot of theater around? Yeah, there was. I mean, I, you know, I knew from an early, early age that this is what I wanted to do, and um, I sort of bugged my parents pretty frequently to uh, to take me out on auditions, and and I got an agent when I was nine uh, in Orlando. So, so yeah, I started doing like dinner theaters and uh, little equity playhouses. Uh, uh, around Orlando, and and uh, there was the Orlando Broadway Dinner Theater, of course. I did I did many a show, um, but yeah, there was a pretty thriving uh, theater scene, especially for the youth. There's uh, Orlando Youth Theater and uh, Civic Kids, and uh, I went to a performing arts high school in Orlando that was across the street from Universal Studios. Oh, um, okay. Was that? It's not where. Um... Michael James Scott. That, that is uh, where Michael James Scott. Oh, yes, yes. And Jessica Rush. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, all the there's lots and lots of people on on Broadway that went to that high school. It's um, you know, uh, behind the scenes too. A lot of uh, stagehands and design students. That's great. Yeah. Does it teach all that, or is it just? 
like a like a healthy design. It has a very and... healthy arts program. I mean, it's a magnet school, visual and performing arts magnet program. Okay. Um, and they've got you know money and uh, there's a lot of yeah exposure experience. You know, I, I would say. I don't know how much I learned about the craft of acting before <laughs> college, before drama school, but not that, that being said, like I was exposed to so much great theater in high school. And like, you know, we did so much Shakespeare and like a lot of people, it's controversial. Like should high schoolers be doing Macbeth before? Oh shit. I just said Macbeth and I'm in my dressing room right oh, now. Oh no. Turn around three times and, and spit, spit and corner. curse. All right. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh my God. Shit. Piss. <laughs> All right. Wow. Hopefully um, the, the show doesn't crash and burn tonight. Because I said the Scottish play <laughs> out loud in the theater. <laughs> Good luck tonight, Bob. Oh, yeah. So what I was saying was uh, I think that people um, sometimes think that high schoolers shouldn't be doing uh, such advanced material when they you know, don't have the life experience or don't have the knowledge of, of the text or whatever. But I disagree. I think that you should just sort of dive in as early as possible and, and uh, learn as much as you can through experience and through uh, just trying it on for size. Oh my God, if a high schooler is like doing anything with Shakespeare, just be happy. Yeah. They're like involved or right. excited about it. God, you know, I mean, if that's what their people are worried about. Um, so, so you end up going to North Carolina School for the Arts, right? Yes, yes. That's where I went for college. And you, you went through the audition process. Did you go to North Carolina? I did, or yeah. did you? So, okay. so, one of the great things about the high school that I went to is um, they do these uh, college tours um, and they go up pretty much just the East coast, but um, they stop at North Carolina school of the arts. Uh, they stop in Chicago, like DePaul Roosevelt sort of stuff. They stop in New York and see a bunch of Broadway shows, go visit Juilliard, NYU. Wait, is it all on a bus? CUNY. Yeah. Bus. Oh my God. Yeah. Sometimes, you take a bus from Florida to all those places. Well, sometimes like, so every other year they change, like they always go to New York, oh, um, okay. But sometimes they'll go to you know visit the Salem Witch Trials because they just read the Crucible versus right. Chicago or DC. Like they change uh, a few of the outside states that they're visiting. Um, I see. But you you, you hit like a, a fair amount of top theater schools, um, which I was grateful for, and um, and for me it was um, I, I definitely knew I wanted a conservatory over the sort of university or liberal arts education. Um, and so I was looking at Juilliard and NCSA and I actually didn't know anything about Carnegie Mellon and I would have uh, looked into that obviously if I would have known about it cause it's a great school. Um, that's where you went, right? Yes. Yes. yes yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's where I went. I didn't really know too much about it until like my, the end of my senior or excuse me, in my junior year. And um, I, you know, it was like two hours from my house. So I didn't want to go because mm -hmm. I was like, I want to get out of here. But I realized it was definitely the right place for me. You were at North Carolina and you were studying acting, but you definitely had, uh, um, you had musical theater there as well, or no? No, they don't have musical theater there. But, um, you know, music was always a part of my life because my mom was a music teacher 
Uh, and so it was sort of introduced very early on and we were singing and uh, pretty frequently, but I really wanted to be an actor and I did a lot of musicals in high school and stuff, but I, I didn't necessarily want to go to school for musical theater. Um, no, no judgment of course, to any of my friends that, that did go for musical theater who are all like littering the Broadway stage and, uh, right, you know, right. doing very well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, it wasn't Broadway or bust for me. I really wanted to do television and film and I wanted to be trained as an actor first. Um, and then, you know, keeping up with the other sort of skills if I could. So, um, there was like a lot of movement orient oriented classes at, at, um, at school of the arts and also, you know, like tap, tap for actors, jazz for actors, you know, like right. basic sort of tools. But, um, I was always sort of a natural mover and to me, it wasn't super important to be super first in dance. If you want to be like the principles of the musicals, you know, like if you want to, if you want to be the lead of the musical, you don't have to be as good of a dancer as the as the ensemble. Right. Um, so I studied voice on the side. I, I took private voice lessons on the, on, on our one day off from school and rehearsal. And then we had singing class, uh, as part of the training as well. Cause that was a part of drama school was, um, singing and music theory. And, um, so we got that stuff, even though it was a drama school, um, not as much, I'm sure as CCM Michigan, whatever, but, um, but yeah, that was sort of, uh, important to me. And uh, I really do think I went to to the place I needed to go yeah. to. Isn't it funny how you know? like you worry about it so much before you go to school, yeah. and then in the end, it's like you're gonna wind up in the right place because they know the place better than you do, and they're gonna find yeah. you. Um, I, I, yeah. People, I think when I was 18 years old, I knew where I needed to go. I knew what I needed to do, but then everything unfolds the way it's supposed to. And it's always what you make of it. Like you taking voice lessons on top of your curriculum. You yeah. made the most of it. You, If you hadn't done that, who knows whatever, what opportunities. It's not just about having the talent. It's about being like uh, proactive enough and feeling prepared enough that you've done the work so that when you go to that singing audition with a bunch of kids from CCM, you're not like, oh, I can't do this. You're like, hell yeah, I can right. do this. I took my voice lessons. Um, so you, uh, got out of school there and you went straight to New York? Or no? Yes. Um, I was always itching to live in New York since I was a kid. Um, we would, we would go to New York on, on our family vacations, like spring breaks and Christmas breaks and stuff. And I always knew that that was the destination after, after school. Um, so as soon as we graduated, I moved like that day or the next day, um, to New York and, um, crashed with a couple of buddies buds from college uh in brooklyn at first and yeah and was it just was it like just exciting the moment you got there or was it like oh shit i'm in new york city oh no i was i was so stupid excited i was yeah. i was uh well you it's funny that you're born in new jersey because i'm not saying you're a new yorker new yorker but you just are way more of a New Yorker than you are somebody from Florida. Oh, I me. know. I mean, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I well, honestly, I don't. I mean, I don't want to say that I'm not proud of of Florida. I will say, like the Pulse shootings um, in Orlando. You know, there's always something about tragedy that 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 gives you a sense of pride um, if if you're from there, um, a sense of ownership and, and connection. Um, so I don't want to dog on it, but I, at the same time, 
I don't go back to Florida very often. It doesn't feel like home, whereas New York City feels like home. Um, and, it, and it always sort of has. Like right when I moved here, when I was 21 years old, it felt like home. It felt like I was moving home, even though I was just moving there for the first time. Right. It just felt natural. Right. Uh, what did you do to uh, survive when you got there? Did you have side jobs? What did you do? Uh, well, I was, I was pretty lucky. Uh, I got... I, I got some work right, right off the gate, uh, right off the bat. So, um, I, um, I was doing like the O'Neill festival a couple weeks after graduation. And then I did uh sea rock city, which is this new musical that was being premiered at Barrington stage in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Um, so I did like a couple like small regional gigs, uh, right out the gate. And then, um, and then rock of ages happened a few months later, like a few months after school. So, wow. So you went, um, Rock of Ages happened that fast after school. I didn't realize. Well, I was, yeah, I'd say, so by August, um, I was at New World Stages doing Rock of Ages, the off-Broadway production. And uh, and then we were transferring to Broadway by that winter. So Wow. So August after you graduated. Yeah. That, wow. So basically six months, six months after school, I was on Broadway, which is nuts. Um, that is... That's amazing. It is amazing and and rare and <laughs> overwhelming. Yeah. And crazy and uh I I uh it's a whirlwind. And now looking back, I have so much perspective and like <laughs> I don't know. Well, <laughs> I mean, I've had this conversation with some people, you know, I was it took me probably uh 3 or 4 years out of school until I was on Broadway. And I was living in Los Angeles at that time. So there was, I was, I was not working, especially not for money. Mm. I was working at 99 seat theaters in LA. And when I got there, it was, it felt like I had finished a marathon. Mm. I was just, I was to stand by on Broadway and it was like, oh, this is insane. Obviously it would be insane at 22 coming right out of school, but there's also, it's great but it must have had a different kind of challenge oh, for, sure. for you. I feel like I'm kind of grateful that I didn't have to figure out how to be on Broadway at 22. Yeah. I mean, look, there's so many pros and cons to that landing in your lap. Yeah. I mean, there's so many great, amazing, overwhelming, exciting things that happen with that. But there's also some drawbacks, some serious drawbacks and um, some loneliness and some... Uh, some natural sort of distancing of friends and, um, you know, that sort of alienation of like, you have nothing to complain about because you're on Broadway. Right. And so no one wants to hear anything that's wrong with you. Right. And so you sort of have to like, just be okay with it. I don't know. I mean, well, when, and you weren't just on Broadway, you were kicking ass on Broadway with an amazing <laughs> number that was like hysterical. And Thank you. Rory. Had a big part. I mean, you did. No, it, it was, was a, you're right. It was a stupid Broadway debut. It was like, uh, I got this silly 11 o'clock number six months out of college. I mean, I was, yeah. I was just, and the thing is I'm saying lucky now, but at the time it's so funny. Cause at the time, when people told me every day how lucky I was and like, did I realize how crazy I was like, I resented it. I resented that people called it luck because I was like, how dare you? No, I've worked for this my entire life. This is the natural like course of events yeah. that are hap that happens when, 
you've wanted this your yeah. whole life. You've worked for this your whole life. This mm-hmm. is meant to happen. I was meant to be on this trajectory. It's like you have to like there's no way you can appreciate what's happening and be grateful for it until you've experienced unemployment and you've right. truly experienced living hand to mouth, paycheck to paycheck. Um, cause and every actor has to go through that. I really believe that. I mean, some, <laughs> some are very lucky to, to never have any ebb and flow, but, but most actors are going to have a drought and, I had to have my drought after, like I did Rock of Ages, right into Adam's Family, right into Smash. It was five consecutive years of work. And after Smash, I finally started having a drought of like living episodic to episodic or off-Broadway show to regional gig and being like, shit, how do people do this? How do yeah. people save their money? Like, mm-hmm. And I had that in my second half of my 20s of like, shit, I got to figure this out. Right. I have to figure out how to... to to save my money and to have longevity in this business. Right. Cause I was a stupid right. kid who lived on central park West by myself. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you did. Yes. Oh Cause my no God. one told me like how, right. I mean, I just was like, Oh, I'm invincible. Like this is going to last forever. I'm going to be on Broadway for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. cause you well, have no, I'm convinced. I, I'm convinced that in college, they literally, should have a full semester that's completely devoted to finances, to understanding what unemployment is, yeah. to figuring out what to do as a side job, what your other skills are, so that you can k- take care right. of yourself in the moments you're not bringing in any income. And to talk to other actors about that reality, honestly, that's why I'm having these conversations. Yeah. because Because no one talks about this stuff. They don't, everyone wants to talk about what they're doing. That's the big Broadway show or the movie, but they don't want to talk about those hard times. And the fact that the hard times don't go away after your Broadway debut, they don't go away after you win an Oscar. After you win an Oscar, you will still have to fight and figure out how to pay your bills (laughs) because jobs don't always come in. In fact, people say that, like winning an Oscar yeah. a curse, especially if you're a character actor. Um, so it's, it's always, always a struggle, but it's like, you have to enjoy that struggle. Or are you getting, are you getting a call? No. So basically I'm up in my dress. You hear that? Yeah. So basically I'm up in my dressing room and they're starting a brush up choreography rehearsal downstairs. I heard something about tap shoes. Yeah. So, so I grab your tap shoes, kids. I'm not called until two thirty, so I'm just at the palace very early, talking to you. But um, the ensemble starts rehearsal now. Got it. Got to get that ensemble yeah. working, as if they don't work hard enough. <laughs> so they um, work harder than anyone. So uh, more than anyone. Yes, more than anyone. Um. So what I was going to say is, you are. I'm so impressed with you because you are constantly creating your own work and you have been since rock, rock of ages, uh, which now I realize was the first thing you did out of school, like six months after. So your entire career, you have been writing, putting together a web series, selling shows. You, that takes a ton of work. It takes a ton of stamina. What is your process in doing that? And what have you learned from it? 
Well, it started in Rock of Ages um, with Mitch Jarvis and Lauren Molina, who uh, were were co-stars with me in, in Rock of Ages. And, and the three of us were backstage, you know, after... The thing is, before Rock of Ages, I mean, all I had done was high school, college. I, you know, I did, you know, community theater professional, like, stuff when I was younger, but never more than eight weeks of a run of anything. And here I was doing a show for months and months and months and months and like going a little crazy. And we were making these backstage silly videos, right? Just to keep ourselves entertained. Um, And this was like really before any Broadway show was doing backstage videos, like before any. Yeah. I remember watching it and being like, Oh wow. What a good idea. Use your time to be creative backstage. And also, like, there's such a built-in audience because the fans of the show are going to want to see it. Right. And uh, they're going to want to see what the actors do backstage in their costumes, like shenanigans. And so we sort of had this built-in audience watching. And so we were like, oh, people care. People want to, let's keep making them. And then it was like, oh, let's actually put some effort into this and organize it. Oh, let's write a script. Oh, let's do a sketch. Oh, let... hmm. And then I left Rock of Ages to do Adam's. And I really missed that. Um, I really missed making those stupid videos. Um, yeah. So we, so then I started my first sort of narrative-driven web series, and it was uh, it was just like my first foray into like telling somewhat of a story, and that was uh, Billy Green, which was this YouTube uh, sketch sort of series that um, you know they're like short little episodes that we shot on a point-and-shoot camera, like super super low budget. Um, I mean, no, no budget, just like walking around with a little point and shoot camera. Um, but, but fans went nuts for it and like really loved it. And, um, so then I had a, like a little bit of a fan base, you know, in terms of web content. And I was like, well, I got to keep this up. So then, um, you know, uh, Billy Green was during the Addams family, just sort of like needing to feel creatively fulfilled. Uh, you know, after you do 400 performances of anything, you're like, struggling not to do your grocery list on stage it's like at that point the muscle memory whether you like it or not you can do the show in your sleep which is a scary feeling for an actor to just be on stage and your muscles are doing the work and you can be checked out and you know i don't know anything more horrifying for an actor who wants to be present and in the moment exactly being on stage is supposed to make you feel alive in a way that nothing else can so when that happens you're like Okay, yeah. what's the point? I'm just a robot. I'm just like go- yeah, I'm not doing a machine. It. Yeah. So that was really important for me to stay uh, stimulated and, and uh, inspired. Um, so we were doing that web series during Adam's Family. And then I went and did Smash. And just like any job, after the excitement of the first few months wears off, it becomes a job. And then it's just amazing how like, you know, before smash, I had only done like some soap opera stuff and some commercials and smash was my first real television gig. And what a television gig to start on. It was like four, four million in an episode, a Steven Spielberg scale show. And, um, and yet it, it's just funny how quickly that it wasn't enough. Like I was like, why don't I have more screen time? Why don't I have more of a, why, you know, where <laughs> I want a bigger part. I want, you know, so then, you know, then I started getting, a little bored, creatively stifled, and, and we started It Could Be Worse, which was the next web series. Um, and then people really got into that one and wanted a second season of it. 
And so we did a Kickstarter, raised about a hundred grand, uh, shot the second season in Los Angeles, sold it to Hulu. Um, and yeah, I just, now I have this sort of writing deal with anonymous content in LA and they commissioned me a year ago to write a digital short, um, which I sold. So I'm just sort of uh, kicking around some projects and Alex Wise and I did a, a little web series of our own last summer when I was living in LA and we're going to do a second season of that. Um, this nice. spring, uh, we're writing it actually right now. This is so much like all that what you just described is so much work. When we were doing Litmus Sunshine together. Oh yeah. I remember you writing the second season. Of yes. It could be worse. And yeah. I, I, I forgot. Like it was during, it was actually, all during Little Miss Sunshine that yeah. I was raising the money. The yes, yes, that's right. We, I think I made some videos. You, uh, you, you not only made some videos, you donated $25. James Lapine donated $25 too. You, you remember how much? I remember how much. I remember <laughs> how much every person gave. Oh my God. Wait, $25. I was on a second stage contract. So First of all, that's no pretty good. No shame whatsoever. That's what all of my friends gave, and I was very grateful for those 25s. Those 25s add up. They sure do. They sure do. I, I think I had at one point, like, uh, I could only give $25 so to sweet. Kickstarters when it was, like, the Kickstarter craze, you know, when you want to give to everyone. But then, like, every day there was a new Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. There was, like, a year there. Where there were so many Kickstarters, and they weren't all like yours. No. Where you were like in your second season, you're doing something. They were like, I think I want to try this for the first time. Uh, <laughs> and then it got ridiculous. Then it was like, pay for my gym membership. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there were, there, were, there were lots of things that I was like, oh, no. Oh, You no. should not be asking for money for this. Yeah. For what you were doing. I mean, it had such a technical aspect, a huge cost. And so when you're talking about raising $100,000 and having that technical side, how did you feel confident about taking on that challenge? Did you, was it really just from learning how to work with a camera and uh, just goofing around at Rock of Ages? And then all of a sudden you have, I mean, it could be worse. You guys had the real deal there. You had a wonderful tech crew. I mean, fake it till you make it. Like, you always have to, I feel like most of us walk into any first day of any job, no matter what it is, feeling like a fraud and feeling like you don't belong or like that you you don't deserve it or something. And if you just pretend like you do or just act like you belong and like, I don't know, it's, it's all, it's mostly tricking yourself into it. So... You know, I like mean, I, said, I feel like that's one of the benefits of getting into a Broadway show at 22 because yes. I, I, I really, you definitely have, I would never think that you're faking it ever. I yes. remember like we were, when we were doing Little Miss Sunshine, I was trying to get a show at Joe's pub and I think I talked to you about it and I was like, oh, I just emailed someone at Joe's pub and they told me they didn't have dates for um, this next month. So I guess they don't want me to be there. And you were like, no, you tell them you want to do a show. You say, let me know when you're ready for me (laughs) to be doing a show there. Yeah. And then I did. And I was like, oh, he thinks differently about this. (laughs) You know what I mean? 
Well, I'm I will say like that. I'm asking for permission and you're like, this is just what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is something about me. But that's also comes from my like bossy, like little dictator ways. Like when I was a kid, I mean, truly, like when I was a kid, I had a stage in my backyard that I built with my dad and I would force the neighborhood children to do my plays. And like, you know, you got tickets for good behavior and like at the end of the summer, whoever had the most tickets got a super soaker. And you, like I was a you crazy had a person. discipline program <laughs> of yeah. tickets. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so the tickets aren't tickets to the play, they're like no, gold stars. No, no, they were gold stars, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean I had to I had to find a way to keep the kids interested and not going back to play video games or like whatever they wanted right. to do instead of being out in the sun rehearsing the music man, you know. Oh my god. So um you know, I was, I've was i always been sort of a crazy person who bosses people around to get what I want. And I think that um, that has been very helpful in terms of recruiting celebrity to do readings of my plays or be in sketch videos. Because, you know, as gross as that sounds, famous faces bring eyeballs to the content. And, you know, I'm always sort of asking these fancy favors of people I know or kind of know or did one reading with. But I think a lot of people are scared to, you know, of, of what that celebrity might say or how they'll react or how they'll just like reject you or turn. I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? They say no. So I, I've gotten very ballsy in terms of um, just asking for what I want um, or just uh like like you with the Joe's pub thing just demanding it, yeah I guess. yeah <laughs> it's so funny because you know like I I asked them if they had something over the next few weeks they said no and I was just gonna let it go and you were like no you go back <laughs> and you say let's figure out when I'm going to be performed <laughs> on your stage I don't even remember this conversation well, I but I believe you I do because it's it's something that I really had to learn that it is a, I think it is a skill it's really walking into fear, being courageous enough and having enough confidence to know that you are worthy of asking somebody something, especially when it's, when, when you're saying, do you want to be a part of this cool thing that I'm putting all of my efforts into? Right. And I think that everyone who knows you knows that if you're asking, it's not some shit show that they're being asked to be a part of. Right. You're really putting all of yourself into it. Yeah. And so- I think that like when you get somebody to do something, it's amazing how all these other people come along. That's exactly right. I mean, that's how you get, I mean, that's sort of, you have to sort of be a dirty producer sometimes, but you got to sort of seduce people into playing with you yeah. um, based on the other perks, right. based on whatever you can, whatever you can do or sell to make it, to make it seem a little more exciting or, um, or what have you, but yeah, I, yeah, it's a part of it. And you know, it's like, Oh, maybe a little skeezy, but it's not, it's just what it is, you know? Yeah, it is what it is. So you talked about that time after smash that you were going from gig to gig, um, in regional theaters. That was probably around the same time that we were doing little Miss sunshine. How do you keep, besides making your own work and, and selling uh, to Hulu and, and, and doing so many things creatively, how do you keep a positive headspace 
throughout those times when you're not really sure what's going to happen next, where you're going to go. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. It's really hard <laughs> to, to do what we right. do. And yeah. Um, I feel like it sort of takes a crazy person to commit to this lifestyle forever. Oh yeah. Um, and, and whenever someone leaves the business, I never think of them as quitters. I think of them as like, Oh, they got out, you know, <laughs> like, right. it, it can be pretty demoralizing, um, um, when you're not working, uh, to get yourself through those times. But, uh, it does help that I'm a writer and, it, it really, a lot of times when I'm doing really well, when things are going really well, I'm, I'm a terrible writer. <laughs> uh, so it also is, is interesting that when I go through these like stretches of bleak, sort of empty, you know, not a lot of work or uh, feeling anxious about the future or whatnot, that, 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 that sometimes that's my better writing. Um, uh, but how do you get through it? I mean, financially, you collect unemployment <laughs> I mean, uh, or you get another job. Um, uh, you do readings, you, you create, you, you, you go to the gym, you keep your, you try to keep your mind uh, and body healthy uh, therapy. Uh, this career is not for the weak. I mean, no, 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 no. And you have to have a good support system of, of friends. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it's, it's my relationship with my husband Gerald, yeah. because yeah, I mean, well, it's because he's not in the business. So every time I want to kind of wallow or be sad, it's like, uh, get over it. <laughs> you like, this is part of your job. So just, you know, figure it out how to be happy today because you get to do something that's really, really yeah. cool that everybody else would love to do. Yeah. I mean, so, that's um, interesting but, because, but that's also him talking to you while you're in, Hamilton complaining about something, you know what I mean? Like, True. I, it is quite different to, 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 um, to be unemployed or like to be complaining when you're employed. I mean, like not saying that you don't deserve to complain about anything when you're employed, but like, he's right. I mean, there are times when I really don't want to come to work even now, you know, or like I want to get out of the city or I want to day drink or I want to have <laughs> dinner at a, a reasonable hour or I want to, uh, wake anyway all you know there are plenty of things that you know the grass will always be greener but right i'm able now as a 31 year old now to look at my job even sometimes within the monotony or the routine of it of it all and really appreciate it and really like enjoy this third month of the run, you know, whereas when I was younger in my early twenties, I was already at this point itching for what's next and what can I do? That's how else can I contribute to society? Like I need to keep going. I'm restless. I'm antsy. Um, and now I, I can sit back and enjoy it a little bit more. It's really nice. Yeah, no, it, it comes with age in this business yeah. of being around long enough to understand and appreciate just anything <laughs> really like even yeah. even in times of unemployment i have to know that i'm so grateful to have this money saved i'm so grateful that i have this group that i have this time where i'm not working because i have to trust that there will yeah. be another job i don't want to be completely anxious throughout this entire time where i don't have anything to do because 
I won't have time off once I get ever whatever that next job is. Correct. And that takes a lot of experience and a lot of trust mm-hmm. in yourself and what the business is. So one of the things that we talked about when we talked about doing this was nerds. Do you want to talk about nerds? Oh. Because I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure I want to talk about nerds, but <laughs> we did discuss it. And I, I thought, well, this would probably be a good conversation to have on the podcast because well, that's why I well, that's I, why I know I we can have that. a really honest one, and and you know, I, I think it, it's of course it's it's a real situation that happens. Well, of course so, it's vulnerable, <laughs> and yet that's what I love about this podcast that you're doing is that you want to sort of talk about the the extreme highs and lows of of what we do and and right. the pitfalls of the business, and mm-hmm. um, so so nerds is. <laughs> Sort of this perfect example of, of well, when- nerds basically is why I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> oh yes, I think I heard you say that. I, I listened to the um, to the one you did with Alex Wise, and um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, who who should start? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll start. Um, okay. I mean, I uh, in January of 2016, I got an email from. Uh, I was sitting in a Starbucks with Josh Gad, and it was said, would you want to play Bill Gates on Broadway in, like, in eight weeks? It, it was, like, two, in two months' time, uh, there was an offer for a Broadway Just show. Just a straight offer for a lead on Broadway. Yes. And I, and so I was, for me, I thought, oh, this must be com- some kind of joke. Uh-huh. Like, I was like, what is this? I was in Los Angeles. I didn't know I... I'd never worked with anyone on the, on team. the team. I knew you knew Casey. Yeah, I knew Casey. I I knew her through Casey Nicola, mm-hmm. and um, but I'd never worked with her. And uh, I, I knew that they had asked me to do a reading um, in the past, and that Casey had seen me because I assisted. Or she assisted on something that she worked on. I don't know a musical a few years before, so. I knew I was like, oh, that's okay. Yes, I kind of remember this vaguely. And then I read through the script and um, I had recordings of the writers who, uh, you know, had these demos of them doing the raps and stuff of Bill Gates, the Bill Gates rap. And uh, I specifically remember Googling it and saying like, oh, um, Lauren and uh, Wes and some other people I know worked on this at some point. Maybe I should call them up and see what their experience was. Yeah, really glad you didn't. I know. I, I mean, this is the thing is that I honestly, it was one of those things where like, it was like a press release on Playbill and it didn't even say what you were playing. I swear to yeah. God, like at that point, I didn't realize, I I didn't even think that you were, I, I thought that you were Steve right. Jobs, but I didn't know. Um, so I almost called you. And even when I got that, and when when we got there, and it happened so fast, I thought, you know, this just landed here. It's leading a Broadway show. What's the worst that can happen? And then the worst that can happen happened. Oh, man. But it, was, it wasn't for me. It was the hardest part was, for those of you who don't know, the show collapsed three weeks into rehearsals uh, because they just didn't have enough money. Um so what was hard for me was to watch all the people who invested mm. their years right. of writing 
to see, you know, people who were going to make their Broadway debuts have that dream taken away from them. It was devastating yeah. to be witness to that. Um, for me, it was just, you know, I hadn't even had that much time to be that yeah. invested. I didn't know that Lauren um, Molina, I can be naive sometimes. Um, I have so much respect for you and Lauren. I thought you guys turned it down. Right. I just was right. assumed that this was something that you guys were like, uh, pass. I don't, yeah, pass. And I honestly thought, man, they must not have had a good experience with these people and they're dodging a bullet, which by the way, <laughs> <laughs> you did. Um, and I thought, well, I totally respect them. I, I felt like for me, it was, I'm going to go and maybe this will close in six months, but it will be good to do it. And I respect them for passing. It wasn't until I got to New York in rehearsals and saw yeah. Lauren that I realized that she had been at, hadn't been asked, which just shocked me. Um, and and so, her longtime boyfriend, yes, who was going to make his Broadway debut, you know. Right, was in yeah. it. Yeah. So there were so many feelings going on right yeah. after that. And I don't just love both of you guys personally. I think you're phenomenally talented. Oh my God, I adore so, you. I, of course. I was, it was never about yeah. you. No, no, no. I know, I know. But that's why this is such a interesting thing to yeah. talk about because um, I didn't know that you felt upset in any way. Uh, at that time. And uh, obviously I feel badly because I probably should have called you actually I just to make sure that you were okay. Not like, Oh, you know, is it okay if I do this? But I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm actually not sure if that would have been better because it was a pretty, it was kind of a dark time for me. And I, I, <laughs> I, I, I benefit from, from the time away from it to, to gain right. perspective and to be able to talk talk about it um with a clear head and and class um because i was i was angry um and i'm going to talk about it this is like a, i think the best forum to talk about it on your podcast because uh and also like like i just said with time away from it um because i'm not interested in like trashing anyone's name but i think that this is very like this is part of the business that doesn't get talked about and people don't really know about who don't deal with, deal in it. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So I, I got a text message <laughs> a couple years ago or a, a few years back from, um, the produ one of the producers of rock of ages and he was one of the head producers and, you know, rock of ages was my Broadway debut and a very special experience. Um, and I'm very close to that producing team and, and all those creatives. And, and he basically said the same thing to me uh, a few years back of, Hey, do you want to play Bill Gates on Broadway? <laughs> and I immediately was like, me, what, why me? I don't look anything like Bill Gates. I don't, I, I, I don't have the blonde hair and the glasses and the blue eye, the dorky sort of thing. I'm a little, and, and he's like, this musical is different. Um, and he has the spirit of you. Um, the sort of ambitious, dark uh, thing, uh, sort of villainous <laughs> in a way, um, and and he, he, we want him to dance and rap and all this stuff. 
and so I, for a couple years, developed it with them, um, meaning I was doing readings and concerts, you know, for, for free. <laughs> like I did a, yeah. a concert for free to help them with advanced set. I did a thing at Hard Rock Cafe. To, to, I, I, I was doing all these little tiny commitments. We performed this the rap at this thing and we did that. And then we did a full, like a, like an official lab of the show, um, like a four week lab in which I was the only one who got right a first refusal. Um, which I thought was interesting that I was the only one, even though some people had been workshopping the show for years and years and years. Um, but, but they seemed very set on me playing this part. And Casey, the director, you know, looked at me and said, you're my, you're the best Bill Gates that I've had in 10 years. Of, of, we've been working on this for years and years and years, and you're irreplaceable. <laughs> uh, and, you know, look, uh, when you're waiting for a Broadway house to open up, um, you know, it's a nerve wracking time. I knew that they wanted nerds to come in um, and they were sort of on a few waiting lists. But the fact that I was on like a text thread with the creative team, like marquee opened up, but it's too big for us. We're not taking it. Like I was a part of those conversations. I was basically like an, like a part of the creative team. It was like, they were all my friends. Um, the choreographer and I worked together on smash. The music director and I had worked together on previous workshops. The uh, Purdue, you know, like I knew all of these people well, and, um, I had been replaced from American psycho after a couple years of working on that. And here's the thing, like, this is not my first time at the rodeo, like, uh, developing new theater, new musical theater, especially is soul crutching a lot of the time because you're constantly, uh, doing readings and workshops of things that you're replaced in by celebrities or fresh faces or, or whatever. That's what happens after years of working on a project. Um, you're sort of expendable sometimes. Uh, and I was feeling burned by, by the theater community. It had been like several years since I was on Broadway and I was developing so much new material and, and getting sort of kicked to the curb at the end, uh, you know, right when it was about to get real. And American Psycho had just replaced me. And then I had heard, not through the creative team, but through someone else, that Nerds was coming in to the Long Anchor. And uh, so I immediately sort of was reaching out to the team and being like, hey, what, what's up? What's going on? Uh, and they were sort of avoiding my calls. And then um, and then I got a call from, from the director saying, you know, look, I'd be lying if I told you I wasn't getting pressure from producers to shop for celebrity. <laughs> and... Um, now here's the thing. Like I, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. It's just no, you know, it's obviously just, their it's search just, went wrong somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> they well, wound up with it, me. Then that well, was it's so funny. It's so funny because, like, that's what I knew that was going to happen. Like, I'm right. not not saying casting you, but I knew that celebrities were going to pass because they they inevitably did. They they went to two different celebrities um, who who said no first, and. I, I knew that was going to happen. Celebrities are scared of, of lowbrow material and, and nerds was very much uh, a stupid humor show. It was, uh, uh, you know, in the vein it of was rock very of ages, broad, very broad and fun. And yeah. Very fun. Insane. But like, 
very sort of lowbrow and, you know, celebrities get scared of that kind of stuff. Um, and it didn't, it wasn't a jukebox musical. It was like an original score. It was like quite risky to not be coming from any source material. Um, and so I sort of knew that celebrities were going to pass. Uh, that's why I told my team to wait around <laughs> for them to come back to us because even if I had reservations about the show succeeding or not, I loved the part. I thought it was just a blast. Um, and, uh, I wasn't working and I was broke and I wanted to enter into that leading man category. Um, however long the show lasted. So, uh, you know, what I said to the director when she told me they were going to entertain, you know, you know, famous, famous people, I was like, look, I totally get it as a producer myself. You know, if I'm producing all this web content and like readings of my plays and things, I know the value of fame. I know how that gets asses in the theater. I know how it creates buzz for a project and, and, and all of that. However, if you take a look at the uh, track record of successful, long-running new musicals, it's never Celebrity. Right. They become celebrity once the show is a hit. But if you look at Avenue Q, Book of Mormon, In the Heights, Spring Awakening, Hamilton, these are all theater people mm -hmm. who became famous after the show became famous. And it's such an interesting formula that people always forget that you really need theater talent to land a new musical. I really believe that to be true. Um, so, you know, this, this was an agonizing time for me because uh, I had been replaced from a couple Broadway shows within the span of a couple months. I felt really burned by the community. And then at the same time, while this was happening, I sold a script in L.A. I, on this, literally on the day they announced Nerds was canceled, I was testing for a pilot in L.A. Right. And so it was like... That must have felt really good. <laughs> it did it did and yet of course and i'm I, happy for you for that i mean look i i, I couldn't share my happiness with yeah, anyone yeah. obviously or else I, i'd be a monster for celebrating mm -hmm. in the face of my friends losing their broadway jobs and yet i will say and this will be a controversial <laughs> this will be controversial oh boy but i will say there Getting is controversial on the <laughs> just dream. brace yourself Roy. There, <laughs> there is something to be said about when you're replaced, fired, when things go wrong in the business and they announce it and they make it public, the, the theater community takes care of you. And, and what right. I mean is I don't think it's that much of a coincidence that all of the leads, I think other than one in, in nerds ended up on Broadway within months in different shows. You, mm. you were in Hamilton. Lindsay got significant other Patty got frozen. Like it was like, yeah, it all seemed to work out for you guys. And Brian, Brian's doing um, the lead and waitress. On oh, tour. there you go. So it, it just felt like everyone was taking care. You know, when Jeremy Jordan was replaced by Matt Morrison in Finding Neverland, right. it's like he was on Supergirl a few weeks later. It's like right. there is something to be said about like airing out what's happening to you because then people, I don't know, there's a subconscious, well, I'm going to grab that guy and put him in my show, you know? Right. Now no, he's I mean, available. Yes, without a doubt. For me, it was like it'd be the exact reason 
why I was in Hamilton because it was Bethany Knox casting and she came to the room when we were in for the show. And two days later, she called my agent to tell, to be like, you know, hey, can you do there Hamilton? you go. I know he's free. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's the thing. It's because, because, you know, when I was attached to the show for two years and then was sort of secretly kicked to the curb, no one knows that. So no one's going to take care of little less. Right. It was a, it was a really hard time for me, and sure. and um, sort of a, a sort of rude awakening um, about the business and how you're not owed anything. No one owes you anything. You're not entitled to anything. The business sucks through and through, and you just have to keep <laughs> keep swimming, you know. Uh, because eventually, you know, it's just interesting how I've done so much development of theater, um, and then and then sort of replaced at the end. Whereas now. I sidestepped all the development on SpongeBob and I just skipped right to the Broadway show. Um, So it's like sort of a beautiful karmic Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. But no one knows, you know, like you, you asked me if that, if that day was very happy for me. Yes, of course. Like it was sort of, (laughs) I got about 50 text messages from friends and people I'd worked with agents, managers who were like, karma's a bitch. Ha 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 ha. (laughs) Yeah. And yes, of course, that you know that felt nice but at the same time it's conflicting because all your friends are crying and like all you know it's it's hard to see and then also the biggest thing is because you guys didn't open i never got paid my kill fee Mm. (laughs) so i was like really counting on that check because it was a very cute paycheck that i was expecting and i needed for survival yeah yeah, well, they had a problem with money, so yeah, they had a little uh, problem. A with lot of money. people waiting for some checks that just weren't going to come. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just so grateful that you would be honest about that. Oh my god, situation! Well, yeah, I was never upset with you. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, I know. But just to talk about it on here, because I do think that that story for me. And clearly that story for you is such a defining moment of understanding what this business is. And, 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 and when that happened, I was like, wow, this is a whole new level of disappointment I didn't even know existed. Yeah. And it was so hard to watch the people who were like you, who, who thought they were about to be on Broadway with the show, who, you know, who had gone through it yeah. for years and years and developed it. And I, I still am so sad that they had to go through that. It's just, it sucked. But I feel, you know, it, it's so cliche to say everything happens for a reason, but it, de- but it absolutely does. Um, and yeah, it's given me a perspective of being in Hamilton so I'm playing the king now. It's 10 minutes. Everyone would be like, of course you love it. Yes, of course. But I've done it 650 sometimes, right? Wow. And I'm about to finish. I'm in my last two weeks of the show. Congrats. Thank you very much. Yeah. But you better believe I am making clear to everyone that I will be playing the king again until I have to be <laughs> rolled out in a wheelchair. I love doing this. Yeah. I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. I'm so glad it exists and that it will be around for a long time. Yeah. I will oh my God. gratefully go back and uh and praise for what this job is. 
And I know that people outside of the business are like, well, of course you would. But I think that you and I know that it takes something like a nerd situation for you to realize when you're in a moment, no matter how great it is, how to enjoy it, how to have gratitude for it. And oh my God. It's yeah. it's almost like a, another part of the job, figuring out how to have gratitude for each moment. Well, you have to go through those heartaches to be able to appreciate the light. Yeah. Uh, and I really needed to go through my heartaches and my, my drought and my years of, of struggling because, you know, most people do that right out of college and they sort of figure it out, mm. which is, which is better financially too, to, to, to figure it out early on than to be like, you know, a full grown adult and like not know how to save your money. I mean, these are, these are really important things. And, uh, right. yes. Yeah, so, so I, I wholeheartedly agree you know, I'm in my, my Broadway show now and I'm so grateful. I, and I feel so lucky every day that I get to do this and I, I desperately don't want the show to close. You know, I want it to run forever. Right. Whereas when I was in my other shows on Broadway, I was like, I don't care if this closes. I mean, then I'll be available to do other stuff. Right. You know, like I didn't, yeah, I didn't have that perspective. Right. Well, uh, we're lucky, lucky that, we get to be old timers in the business now. <laughs> I mean, it's just funny to me because, you know, I have a show. I have to explain who Tanya Harding is to this ensemble. I mean, it's, it's amazing. They're oh, no. all so great. And they have a wonderful perspective and a lot of gratitude. But, you know, they're going to have the same issues that you had what happens when you graduate from college and go directly into Hamilton? Uh, it's, it's, you know, everyone has a different path and there's different yeah. turns on each one. So my, uh, my boyfriend, Isaac Powell starring in once on this Island just graduated oh. this spring. Oh, wow. He, uh, he has quite a different perspective than I do obviously right now. And it's very interesting to watch, it all happened to him right now yeah. and sort of uh, remember all those feelings and all those discoveries. I and bet. like, I just, he's going on that same path, the same one. I mean, it's a it's slightly different. I was like, like the silly character, right. you know, supporting role. He's like the sex symbol ingenue, <laughs> like yeah. lead, leading man, you know? Right. Um, but he also, you know, He's also very grateful. He's he's much more like emotionally mature and 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 I think further along than I was at his age. Um, but it's just crazy to sort of it takes everything for me. I have to stifle every time I want to say when I was your age or like yeah, you know, you have to sort of just let him figure it all out himself and on his own. Yeah, back in my day. Back in my day. <laughs> yeah. Now, I think that's actually. You know, having a relationship with somebody in the business is is great, and it also has its own challenges. Oh, no, it's really, really easy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would say, especially for gay men, it's like, at least when you're straight and you're dating an actor, you're not going for the same roles at all. Yeah. Like, you have different careers, different worlds, well, casting-wise. But it's it's tricky. When you very are, tricky, yeah, you know, I think you know it's already very tough if you have two actors, no matter what the sex, because sure, you know sure. 
one of them is employed, one of them is not employed, one of them is making more money, one of them is more successful or, or, or what have you. But, but two men, yeah, that's a whole other layer of, uh, you know, direct rivalry sometimes. And, and when I was younger, right out of school, I dated an actor who's pretty well known. And the two of us were literally in direct competition, like for a lot of roles. Um, and I think that we're very different, but you know, coming out of college, they don't really know all of your quirks and, and, and stuff. So they, they see two people, the same size, same age, same basic coloring, both can sing and hit this, whatever. And so we were up against each other for so many things. And, you know, when you're living together in a studio apartment, going over sides for the same project on opposite sides of the apartment, like it was just oh my God. toxic, you know, poisonous. Wow. But, um, and that was tough. At a young age, At too. a young age, when you're like still trying to figure yourself out and yeah, uh, how to communicate with a partner and like how to, you know. So I, I definitely experienced the ugly of that. And I sort of swore off actors after that experience. Um, and I've dated people outside of the business and, and people who are in the business, but not necessarily actors. And, and, um, and now I'm uh, giving it another go. <laughs> <laughs> Give it another go. I should stop talking before I get myself in trouble. But, um, but no, I, uh, I I have a lot more wisdom in my in my years now. You know, I can I can manage um, the de- and also like let's call a spade a spade. Isaac and I aren't going to go in for any of the same parts. He's 23. Um, I'm 31. We look very different. Uh, we're different types. So, so I don't think we're, we're going to be quite like competing. Um, and, uh, you know, I think little twinges of jealousy are really healthy, actually. I mean, that Mm. might just be me personally, but I don't know. It's kind of, uh, it, it challenges you. Sure. Um, sure. I mean, it's going to be there. Jealousy is, a part of this too. Yeah. Jealousy is the thing that you have to manage. It's not that no one's perfect. Everyone's going to have jealousy. So if it's something that motivates you instead of something that cripples you, that's great. You just yeah. have to know that that's what you do with that, with that jealousy is yeah. utilize it. And I think that, I think that you are, you're very impressive to me. You've always um, been that guy to call Joe's pub and say, doing this. you're the guy who writes his own shit and asks everyone to be a part of it. And everyone has a great time and says yes to you. Even when I'm like walking on your face. Oh yes. That's right. What? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what did I do in that? I, I was walked like a dog. Yeah. Oh yeah. You so stepped Rory, in my face. Uh, and- for those listening at home, <laughs> uh, the second season of it could be worse there's a plot line where my character Jacob uh, is strapped for cash and is sort of getting right. creative with his his ways of being unemployed and making some extra some extra cash. So he goes down the CD Craigslist path and starts meeting up with um, with some social misfits who need right. uh, sort of fetishy ways of uh, of pleasure. And Rory played one of those Craigslist encounters. Uh, and I sort of uh, walked on your fit, trampled you, walked you around like a dog. Yeah. Uh, step, you know, sat on you. I don't remember what I did, but uh, good it times, was, right? It was one of my 
favorite performances. <laughs> and uh, I loved it because I didn't have any lines. I just smiled really So yeah, if really you want to see me like fully spank Rory O'Malley over my lap, <laughs> <laughs> you, should, you should go to itcouldbeworse.tv. Yeah. 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 With a beard. All just right. Just a little bit of sunshine. All right. Yeah. Oh. I'm just, I, not just impressed, but inspired Thanks. by who you are as an artist. I think that you've, you have done so many cool things and I'm just, you're fearless and we have fear. We all do, but you walk right through it. You create a lot. And I really appreciate you being on this podcast and talking to me about the nerd situation. Oh my God. I'm glad we and did. I am too. I am too. Because it is, it's, it's not the last time that things like that are going to happen no. to either of us. They happen all the time to everyone in this business. And it's so rare that you actually get to talk about it, yeah. you know, and like share with other people that it happened. So I really appreciate it. And, um, Thanks for being on Living the Dream. Oh, thanks for having me, my friend. Audition side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists. What they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.